Who the bloody hell's that? Morning, Sanya. Oh, Paul, how are we? I'm very well, how are you? Come on in. I will do, thank you. Did that sound staged? Just a little. I'm going to embrace the whole Mankini thing next time, put by this strange engine Mankini on. Should indeed. You're listening to Between You and Me, a sometimes random and often irreverent attempt to understand the marriage of Paul and Sanya Rose. Hello, and welcome to Between You and Me, episode 100. Blacklisted no more, just in time for our 100th episode. Wood, wood. <laughs> yes, as you will no doubt now be aware, we've got H on this week's episode. Yep, yep. Yeah. Unless you just go into episodes without reading the episode title. Yeah. <laughs> Which I don't think anyone does, but. No, but you surprise, never know. we've got H this week. He's actually on our podcast. I know. How amazing is that? It only took 100 episodes to get there. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it was um, it was a delight and pleasure and privilege, frankly, to interview him. As I said to him, and you'll hear this in the interview, which will be coming up later, it's hard interviewing him these days because aside from the fact that, you know, and you lot, you know, we're, we're preaching to the converted here, you probably all heard the interviews that he's done, you know, talking about an hour before it's dark over the last year or so and many of you I know listen to Corona Diaries where you basically get an hour-long H interview every single week so I really tried hard to make it something that you wouldn't have heard before and Hmm. try to bring out stuff that he doesn't always talk about yeah and I think we managed it I think so. I mean, I haven't heard the interview yet. I've only heard your side of it. Well, yeah, you were in the room. I mean, I knew what you were going to ask beforehand. Yes. And I think they were really good questions, stuff that we both were really interested in hearing H's take on. A lot of what happened during the interview was was me just going with the flow in the end um, because he's he's the perfect interviewee because, A, he does a lot of the work for me, um, but also he's willing to go to places that might be uncomfortable or deep, which you'd expect from him because he's H. Yeah, his you'd lyrics expect are like that. after experiencing his lyrics for the last hundred episodes, I would have been surprised had he not been like that. Yeah. He does come across as someone who is willing to go to those uncomfortable, authentic, raw places mm. in himself. To the point. I just wanted to give him a hug because he's really hard Aww. on himself. And oh, is he? Yeah, he is. I mean, I know he is. He is in his lyrics, and I know he often is on Corona Diaries. Yeah, but oh, was he in in the interview as well? He is at times, I think. Aww. And well, look, because I as I as I talked to him about in the interview, I have interviewed him before back in 1998. And as we've recounted on this podcast during the 90s, my relationship with the band got a little bit rattled. Part of that, and it's my baggage, was that I interviewed H and he wasn't super forthcoming. I realised in preparing for this interview, that was because I think he he saw me as a music journalist, which I wasn't. I, I was the guy at my work, who liked Marillion, and they said, you fancy interviewing the lead singer. So it, it was inevitable that perhaps he... he Maybe I don't know, felt more guarded. More guarded, I think, yeah. But talking to him, as I did for this this episode, 
He's he's just a lovely guy. Really lovely and likable and warm and open and generous as well. You know, he didn't have to do this interview because he's got nothing to promote at the moment. You know, yeah, the tour has sold right. well, the album's out and did well. Yeah. He literally just came on because I, I asked Ant Shaw, could you ask Ant to come on our 100th episode? And Ant very kindly sorted it out for us. And Aww. yeah, you know, he, gave, Thank it, you, he gave, us, gave up his evening to chat. And it was, I wouldn't say bucket list, but I've long wanted to interview H again. Partly because I felt I didn't do a good job in that first interview. You know, I was only what? How old was I in 1998? 27. I was a young man. Mm. I was a little bit nervous. Mm. I didn't interview people. You know, that wasn't my job. Right. And I there, guess you weren't even a writer yet. Well, point, I was you? writing about video games a bit. Oh, okay. But that wasn't the same thing as being a music journalist. Interviews yeah. are hard. I'll say that. I find interviews hard. Right. Uh, I talked to, yeah. talk to you about this last what night. What do you is, find hard about them? Because there's a lot going on under the surface when you're interviewing someone. It's not like a, a normal conversation. Mm. I'm quite intimidated just by interviews themselves. I mean, I wasn't nervous before interviewing H, but there's a lot of apprehension before interviewing anyone. Mm. Because you've got to th- A, think on your feet. Um, B, make sure it flows. You want to make the person you're interviewing feel comfortable. And there's always the risk, I suppose, that they answer all your questions in the first question. Yeah, and then what do you do? <laughs> that's happened. And then uh, you, I'm, I'm thrown. But also, I was worried because he does a weekly podcast. Why would he want to do this? Yeah. And yet he said he enjoyed it. Oh, yay. Uh, I'm putting that sound bite at the end of the episode because it was after the interview had finished, but I still had the mic going. Oh, I'm going to put yay. in the bit when he said he enjoyed it. Yeah. <laughs> I had to put that in just so you can all hear it. <laughs> we have actually got a video version of the, the interview that will be going up for our patrons. If you want to support us, www.patreon.com slash Mr. Biffo. You can see that for a pound a month. Support the podcast, support us. What was your favourite part of the interview? Or what was your favourite aspect of the interview? It was just the fact that I seemed to get on all right with him. That oh, nice. for me is was my biggest takeaway from it. It 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 was it wasn't awkward. It was just two blokes having a chat, really. Yeah. And compared to some interviews I've done, where as I say, there is that it's like a duck. You know, there's a lot going on under the surface, paddling hard. I didn't feel I had to. Mm. Uh, you know, and I remember back to when I first interviewed him in 1998. It was just I was out of my depth. How did you approach your questions this time, like in the formation of the questions? What did well, what you have I've a written process? Down beforehand. Or... Yeah, I, I wanted to ask things that might give us answers that I've not heard before. Mm. You know, inevitably, particularly when they were promoting the album, there were a lot of the same answers because you would get asked a lot of the same questions. He's talked about an hour before it's dark to, to death this year. I didn't really want to focus on that. Uh, much as I love that album, I just wanted to talk about talk to him about him. Mm, you know, it was kind of like getting is. to know him, also just his experience of being in Marillion and what has that been like. Mm. And so some of it was quite revealing. There's one little bit which you won't hear, which he did ask me afterwards to cut out. <laughs> I actually thought his answer was fine, but um, there is a bit left in the interview where he does say, "You might want to cut some of this out." 
but actually he didn't ask me to. Okay. <laughs> so that bit's left So it's in. not you doing your usual where Ignore someone Sanya's asks request. you to cut something out and you leave it in. <laughs> yeah, I thought it was good. It was it was in it was on brand for us. Where someone says, <laughs> yeah. Well, we cut exactly. this out. And it's left. We can't have an episode without someone asking for something to be cut out. Yeah. And it being refused. Yeah. So uh, we'll get to the interview in a bit. I know you all probably just hear. A lot of you probably are new because this is the episode with H and it's our 100th episode. Good jumping on point. But, you know, we're going to make you wait. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to make you wait. You're going to tease it out because for... for Sometimes we make just noises on our podcast. podcast. <laughs> uh, yeah, because it's our 100th episode and we're going to celebrate. We actually celebrated a bit last night. With wine, didn't we? We did. During the interview, you poured me. I couldn't even drink it during the interview because we were on Zoom. And you poured me basically a pint of wine. And there was no way I could drink I didn't want you to have to keep refilling. Well, I didn't want to have to keep standing up to refill it. I just wanted to do it once. Yeah, but uh, I couldn't. I couldn't drink from it without looking like an alcoholic. (laughs) Oh, is that why you didn't have any? Yeah. Yeah, It was like a pint of wine. Uh, yeah, it was weird. I actually interviewed him on the fifth anniversary of that of that first Royal Albert Hall show. That's pretty cool. Who'd have thought it when we were there five years I ago? I know, I know. Bizarre. Yeah, we'd have a podcast and yeah. there would be interviewing HR. We didn't even know what podcasts were back then. Yes, I think that was before did. podcasts Don't existed. We did. Podcasts have been around ages, not five have, years have ago. They? Yes. All time blends together, really. Yeah, well, if you believe Einstein, time is just a big... Ball. So how how has the past hundred episodes been for you, Sanya? Love it. I genuinely love Biampod. I love doing this. It's so much fun. It's yeah. really interesting. I mean, we were always before we started the podcast, we'd always discuss Marillion and their music and history and your memories and your experiences with them and stuff like that. So it's not a million miles from our normal day-to-day life. It's just that we've decided to give it a time and a structure and, well, not really much of a structure, but give it a time. I think we bicker less in our real life. <laughs> we bicker less. Do we? <laughs> don't say that no, because they're going to believe not, you. We don't bicker, like when we I say, just banter when I say you're with each far other. Right. No, stop. <laughs> we, just, we don't bicker, we banter, and one of us doesn't take bantering very well. Are you so saying he, he I don't? He thinks that we're bickering when we're Are not. Are you saying I don't take... You don't. That's not true. It's so true. I remember quite early on in our relationship, we had to have a little chat about banter because you didn't get it. <laughs> Do you remember that? <laughs> that wasn't early you on. Felt that, was like, that was like yeah, eight had, years we in. We had to have a sit down and talk about how it was an expression of love. Yeah, and yet when it, the expression of love is is in your direction. Why are you slagging me off on my podcast? <laughs> Why are you painting me like see? a dick on my podcast? <laughs> I'm not. Yeah, who's going to think I'm a dick? No, you're not a dick. <laughs> Whoever thinks I'm far right. So. <laughs> <laughs> it's all just jokes. All of it. All, all of, of it. it. Every single last comment and what, sentence. What's been your favourite thing from doing the podcast? What's been my favourite thing? Um... I'm glad I wasn't interviewing you last night. <laughs> That's all I can say. <laughs> Silence. I don't know. I 
didn't know you were going to ask me that. I'm trying to think what's been my favourite thing. There have been several favourite things. I mean, I love... One, I've really enjoyed getting to know the music better and going through the lyrics and having like a deeper experience with it because it's been really enriching, number one. Number two, I've loved just chatting with you about it. I think it's just good fun. And number three, I love I love getting our letters. I love getting letters from listeners talking about their experience and feeling like it's like it makes it a bit more of a two-way experience yeah. and there's people going through this journey with us. Yeah, I'm the same. I mean, I think all those, all three of those things for me, and I do love the letters. I know we, we make fun sometimes about getting long letters, but having that communication with the audience that we're not just shouting into a void. Yes, yeah, um, exactly. It makes a big difference. Yeah, it does. Um, because... You know, yeah, we would do this anyway, even if no one was listening, because we really enjoy doing yeah, this. Yeah, because like we did literally do this before we set up a podcast. Yes. Except yes. except we weren't going through the albums in order. We and just we like generally chat. It. We weren't recording it. <laughs> we missed out on so much great content, Paul. Yes. Uh <laughs> so yeah, you know, it is really nice to have that connection with the audience for me. Yeah. Um and it feels like because that's the thing, I, I, as far as I'm concerned, you know, and I said this to H, actually, it, this is a fan podcast by fans for fans. Yes. And, you know, we're not pretending to be DJs or, or no. anything. You know, we're literally just, well, I was a, a fan and you've become a fan. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, we don't see ourselves as, as anything other than that to give a voice to fans and to the fan experience and and to chart the journey of being a fan of a band for most of your adult life or my entirety of my adult life most of my life full stop wow i know god um, wow yeah that's Marillion. a long time and i'm not alone you know in in Marillion being in existence for pretty much my whole life you know there are lots of other people out there who have have gone through this like me for whom Marillion have just been there. Uh, And it's so rare, you know. I mean, think of Beatles fans. All right, the Beatles were around, but they'd split up. Mm. Yeah, but in terms of the band still existing. Yeah, that is a rare experience. music and touring, you know, for that long. And Marillion, all right, they've been six years between albums at points, but really they are always active. There's something always going on relating to Marillion. It's not mm. like a band like, I'm plucking this out of the air, I don't know, U2, where they seem to just go dormant for large stretches of time. Oh, right. Marillion are always, you know. Yeah, they're always creating or touring or something. Or something. Mm. Yeah, or there's a Marillion weekend or, or, yeah. or whatever. I think that's a lot of that is down to management, though, as well. That yeah. They're, that they're very in Con, not in contact they have a good connection with their fans and so the, the, it's a, a very vibrant and alive community yes it is and yeah i mean, to the I mean maybe you two does have that behind the scenes we don't oh, know no. i mean it comes back to something that we've touched upon is is why do we love marillion so much and it is partly i think because they're not playing sort of a normo dome stadiums there is 
a certain feeling of that Marillion is is a sizable cottage industry. There's more of an intimacy with the experience. There is. That's it. There's yeah. an intimacy with Marillion that yeah. that I I don't necessarily see with every other band. No. And that that might be because you know we know Marillion are, are very misunderstood um, and really deserve to be bigger. But the irony is because they never kind of reach those heights again of you know, always kind of being on the radio or whatever, that we feel sort of protective and defensive about them as fans. Mm. Um, and and as well, this another thing that I've loved in in doing this podcast in the way we've done it, which is, yes, it's it we've jumped around and kind of addressed things that are going on right now, but broadly we've sort of followed the, the, the band in a chronological order. Um, and it's allowed me to kind of, take stock of that relationship that I've had with Marillion. And I'm, I've something I've realised that I've not started to talk about it yet, but something, so I will now, but something I've been thinking about sort of in recent months, as we're getting sort of closer to the present day, that thing of the further away you get from something, the clearer view you have of it. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're yes. like, right, if you've got your face pressed up against a tree, all you can see is wood. Yeah. Uh, you know, you step back, you can see the tree. Then you step back further, you can see the forest. Then you can see it in context. Yeah. Yeah. And it really sort of resonated with me when the deluxe edition of Holidays in Eden came out, when I kind of went, this is the same band as I'm listening to now. Yeah. And I can see that album now in context. Yeah. And that means, you know, kind of, although we relived a lot of what I was feeling at the time, perhaps when Marillion.com came out, Mm -hmm. you know, and it wasn't always pretty what I felt, Mm. um, you know, I'm also, I guess, able to kind of put my own feelings into a certain context and kind of talk about why I may have felt that way about certain things. But yeah, stepping back from it all, even when Marillion have perhaps taken left turns or perhaps haven't put out albums that we feel are sort of up there with Afraid of Sunlight or Marbles or whatever, you know, and we're talking basically pre-Marbles, you know, because everything, as far as I'm concerned, they've done since has been really strong. Mm. Right, somewhere else has got his, you know, critics, but but songwriting-wise, I think it's a really great album. But I'm able to sort of look and kind of go, well, they needed to do that at that time, whether it was for creative reasons or because they needed to get an album out or because they were doing what was right for them in that, that moment. So you're able to kind of go, well, that's just part of the overall picture. Yes. You know, instead of when you look at the big picture, you see that everything happened for a reason Yes, and everything had its place. Yeah. And we wouldn't be where we are today had their timeline not followed that trajectory. So I might not think Meridian.com's a great album, but it belongs. It, it belongs. It has yeah. its place and it has its role within the, the journey of Meridian mm. and my journey as a fan. Um, and yeah, oh God, I mean, over the years, you know, my love of Meridian has only deepened. I mean, to the point that I'm doing a podcast that is yeah. now on episode 100. I know. How about that? So, you know, wow. Uh, it's a privilege to have the ch- the chance to do this and to be in contact with other fans. You know, there there have been people who, for instance, you know, Stephen Wicks, who does Mockillian. I read Mockillian and I then know. now we know Stephen. I know, and that's so bizarre. So, that, it, that's a bit surreal for me. <laughs> <laughs> it's brought us, us two closer to sort of the fan community as a whole, but also, ironically, which was not expected, 
kind of closer to the band because yeah, well, we know Lucy listens to us. Um, because she tells us she does (laughs) (laughs) sorry Lucy again Um, you know we know Mark Kelly's listened to us so it feels like we've somehow kind of ended up having a place in Marillion history it's so bizarre it's bizarre it's bizarre for me I'm just like what am I doing here but okay well yeah but (laughs) you know you've you've earned your place as well you know because the entire ethos of what this podcast was was me as a diehard Marillion fan introducing them to my wife who grew up not even hearing of them yeah you didn't have a clue they were before I didn't have a clue all right, well, let's, we'll talk again a bit at the end. Yeah, this is the moment everyone's been waiting for. Yes, finally. A- anxiously, impatiently going, shut up, get on with the interview, shut up, get on with the interview. Yeah, I know. I've all skipped ahead. Yeah. <laughs> Hello, if, anyone's li- if anyone actually listened to this intro bit, thanks, we're impressed. Oh, now here's what I'll say. If anyone has listened to it, yeah. uh, send us an email with the code word. What's the code word? Um, Secret word so that we know you listen to the whole episode. Swanky. Okay. Swanky. Oh, swanky. Yeah. Fancy. Okay. Beampod at gmail.com with the word swanky. But then what are we going to do with the emails? Nothing. It's just, just look at them. Just make us feel better that people, you know, that we didn't just record all that. Well, they nothing. can comment on Facebook so other people can yeah. see and go, what on earth is swanky? Yes, just comment swanky. <laughs> it's a mystery <laughs> word. <laughs> If you think this episode swanky. was this episode was swanky. What time? What time does God? I can't think of his name. Now. Sean Connery. What time does? <laughs> what, what time does Sean Connery play tennis? That say, makes no sense. You're gonna say swanky. What's Sean Connery's? You can cut all of this out because it's rubbish. No, it's great. It's gold. No, what no, no. Is leave Sean Connery? How, what, oh, <laughs> Jesus Christ! This is all what, of those you, of you who are new to the podcast. This is what you've been missing. <laughs> this is what you've missed out How on, does everyone. Sean Connery like to dress? Swanky. Swanky. Again, doesn't really work, does it? Like the tennis joke. Doesn't, doesn't really swanky work. mean like nicely dressed? I didn't really expect this episode to focus so much on the word swanky. Oh, well. Quick bit of context before we begin the interview. We were due to chat at eight, H and I. H was late to the interview, you know. But clockwork and quartz and all that. So we expected that. But which was just as well because at eight o'clock I had a hot flush and we had to open a window. Oh, yeah. I got all hot and sweaty. It was very odd. But I had earlier that afternoon That's as so well. That's so weird. Like, I don't know whether it was a. Do so, men get hot flushes when. Do like men go through a kind of. Menopause. Man- menopause. Wasn't that a show back in the 80s where we could turn into um, animals? Manimal. Manipause. We, <laughs> I we, love that creatures show. Creatures with paws. Only <laughs> with oh, yeah. paws. Men with paws. Yeah. I don't, I, you know what? I don't know. It's all new to me now. I'm in my 50s. Yeah. Yeah, maybe. But yeah. Good fun. Um, but yeah, I was chatting to my mum early in the afternoon and got, got a hot, hot flush and weird. And then uh, I did again right before I was interviewing H. And unfortunately then, which isn't on the interview, I, I then told him that I had a hot flush and he was very concerned. Are you all right? <laughs> <laughs> I just, why did I even tell him? <laughs> I'd got all hot and sweaty right before talking to him. <laughs> but, he, but he never got that with Prog Magazine, Jerry Ewing. Oh, I'm all, I'm all sweaty, H. I'm all sweaty. I've had to open a window, H. I don't know if that's what Jerry Ewing sounds like, but um, I'm guessing. <laughs> He's the editor of Pog. If you, oh. I know you're looking at me vacantly. Yeah. You're thinking, Jay, are you in? <laughs> What's that got to do with anything? Oh, who shot me? 
Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I've been shot. <coughs> That's it. Just give, give yourself a cough. That voice hurts. <laughs> oh, my God. What's hurts going on? Right. It's the interview with Steve Hogarth. Yay. Because this is effectively, you know, it's a it's a podcast about being fans of Marillion. So, do you ever get frustrated? I suppose by people like me who kind of try to decipher your every kind of lyric and utterance, and do you just wish that sometimes people would just sort of chill out a bit and let you be? No, because I'm strangely, I mean, I'm really not that conscious of it. I I I I don't really dive into any of the social media things, and and so, um. I'm not really that conscious of that, you know, the people who are talking about my art. Mm. Um, I tend to avoid that. Um, so no, I'm not really that. So no, I don't get. It doesn't piss me off because I'm I'm totally unaware of most of it. Um, since I've been doing the podcast and I've had that Patreon thing going. Um, all the members of the Patreon can message one another and me. And I get all those messages turn up in my email inbox. Mm. So I'm more aware of what the, well, what a certain section of the fans are talking about than I've ever been. Yeah. Um, but even so, most of it's just really good nature. There isn't a lot of, um, oh, did he mean this or did he mean that? Or I think it means this. Um, there isn't a lot of that on there, so I don't I don't really get to see much of it. The closest I ever come to those sort of things is there's those websites, aren't there, where, where those those websites that that say, "Oh, here's what this lyric means," right? And you can you know you can you can put Sting in or whatever, and and go and find out what "Don't Stand So Close to Me" is about. Mm. And there's always some pillock who's completely missed the point, <laughs> who's full of themselves, you know, like like they really know. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so I find those things, you know, stay away from them as well because they irritate me because half of the time it's really obvious what, what certain lyrics are about and, and nonetheless these idiots don't seem to have spotted it, you know, and they're, they're, they're barking up some other tree altogether. So what's the weirdest um, kind of misinterpretation of one of your lyrics that you've ever stumbled across? I haven't. I haven't. I'd love to, you know, I'd love to reel a couple out, but I <laughs> I haven't really. I yeah. haven't really. Um, we had a roadie years ago when I was in the Europeans and we had a song called Recognition. And the, the verse of Recognition was... Uh, Strong hearts when our thoughts were young. Was it strong? Strong hearts when our thoughts were young. Or it could have been... Anyway, it was something like that. Strong hearts when our thoughts were young. This is your recognition. And uh, the guy in our crew thought it was It Starts When I Fancy Her. (laughs) This Uh, is a completely different song. (laughs) I know, but... That's the one that sticks in my mind, but there's nothing in kind of Marillion times that I'm I'm conscious of that's been 
wildly off. But but again, that's because I just don't go looking. Yeah, it's self-preservation, I guess, as much as anything. A little bit. And, and just basically being, you know, life's too short. Yeah. <laughs> to be, I, haven't got, I haven't got enough time to dive into those things and engage in them any mm. more than, um, you know, with the whole Facebook thing. I, yeah. I never go on there. I've got a Facebook page, but Lucy keeps it going because she says you must never go there mm. because you'll get crazy and you'll yeah. get angry and you'll you'll spend days of your life, you know, writing writing indignant emails to people who really don't deserve your time in the first place. So don't even go there. So I took her advice and I've never gone there. Very so nice. I don't have to I don't have to sort of sit and look at all of that that mm. is Steve H worse than fish discuss or is fish better than Steve H or has Steve H ruined Marillion I I'm sure some of that goes on but I'm not interested in knowing about it or having anything to do with it it'll only piss me off and yeah ruin what otherwise would would be a a good day yeah you did post up though i noticed a couple of lovely jugs on your instagram recently i, I did <laughs> they were very nice <laughs> nice pair of jugs <laughs> i don't post much you know but <laughs> when, when you i do, do it's, wor- it's worth the wait <laughs> um recently i realized something that um, being a fan of Marillion was as much as anything a kind of relationship, um, albeit one-sided um, to a certain degree, and that it had actually lasted longer than my first marriage, which, you know, that was about 20 years. Um, yeah, me too. Yeah, well, there we go. <laughs> you get longer for murder, or less for murder, that's what they say, don't they? You do. Um, but, I would have uh, been out by now. <laughs> Uh, so I was just wondering what, for you, from your perspective, the relationship with the fans has been like as a sort of sine wave, you know, kind of the ups and downs, you know, over the, what is it, 33 years, something like that, you've been with them? There's been very, very few downs that I, you know, I'd really have to sit and think at length to find a, a down. As I say, maybe I could, find more downs if I went looking for mm. them. But um the my relationship with the fans has just been been great really mm. throughout. From day one, when I when I first climbed through the window into the crooked billet for the first <laughs> show and first set eyes on um Marillion fans as such. Um you know, pretty fearful of what was about to happen. And quite angry at Mark Kelly for organising the gig in the first place, when when we plainly weren't ready. Yeah. Um, it was great, you know. It was, it was all the surprises have been pleasant at every every stage, you know, on every tour. Um, I think there was one gig ever <laughs> that sticks out in my in my mind and that was at Hamburg Docks on the Brave tour and there was just a weird a weird vibe in the hall there were a lot of people talking there were people shouting and mm. uh in the wrong places and it just had a very it, it just had a funny funny vibration 
and it rattled me and I handled it all wrong and I got pissed off with the crowd, which you should, that's a cardinal sin mm. and, and really stupid as well. Um, because obviously if you get pissed off with the crowd, you're actually only pissed off with probably six people yeah. and you've ruined it for the other, you know, for hundreds and hundreds of other people uh, and yourself. So it's a really dumb thing to do, but I did, I did get, I don't know, I got in, I got on onto a downward spiral of uh, self hate and and just general hating everybody in the room, <laughs> including myself, <laughs> and that was the only bad, bad vibration that, that I've ever really had going on in all these years, and and that was. 95% my fault not not anybody else's so i think if you've got a if you know all 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 my experience with the fans has been ups yeah um and the downs have been my fault not theirs i mean i'm sure there's always a few of them but i tend to, i tend to avoid them yeah. although they're kept away from me <laughs> <laughs> Behind I the mean, I've, I've had an occasional falling out with, with certain people from Holland. Right. I don't know why it's always the Dutch, <laughs> you know, but there's a thing in Dutch culture, you know, where I think the Dutch are taught from an early age that expressing an opinion is very important. Um, and that, that sense of... Um, I don't want to say self-importance because that sounds like an insult, but the importance of the self. Um, <laughs> is that nicer? Yeah, that's um, slightly nicer. Yeah, I think you can get away and with there's, that. There's a thing I've had with, with you know, certain, certain fans who have nearly always been Dutch where they've, <laughs> they've felt the need to cross a room and come and tell me something that they don't like about either me or my art. And because my writing and the the whole process really for me is so intimate, it's so it's so truthful. Mm. Um, it's an expression of of my core. So if somebody knocks my art, they're knocking me. I can't I can't distinguish the two. I can't yeah, think. I oh it. well. It was just this song, you know, get over it. It's got nothing to do with me. It's got everything to do with me, and, and it's core to me. So when people criticise what we've done, I find it really hard not to get upset mm. because it does feel personal, even if it's not intended to be. I mean, a classic was, I'll never forget, I was in Oberhausen. We were do, I think we were on the Less Is More tour. We were doing, um, doing an acoustic tour, and I was... I was in a shopping centre during the day looking at trousers and this guy came in to the shop and he clocked me and he crossed the he crossed the room. He went to a lot of trouble to go all the way up to me and he said, yes, he said, this new album of yours, Less Is More. I said, uh, yeah. I thought he was going to say, I really like it, it's great. And he went, yes, for me, Less Is Definitely Not More. <laughs> And I went, all right. And I thought, well, yeah. I'm, I'm glad you crossed the shopping mall to tell me that. You know, what, what you, what am I supposed to do? Do you want an apology? Mm. Um, have I got to promise I'll change my ways? I've lost <laughs> my way. 
<laughs> what a written apology now, signed in triplicate. Um, yeah, do you think, though, because because you put so much into your lyrics, that there's a certain sort of section of the fandom that thinks they know you and thinks that that kind of gives them, I don't know, a right or a, some sort of path to be able to say stuff like that to you? I think it does mean that... I think if you really listen to everything I've said over the years, you probably know me as well as, well as anybody does. Mm. Um, especially if you've really given it a lot of thought. You've probably... You've probably made my journey. You know, you've probably been in, in, in soaking yourself... It's soaking all of these songs into yourself. You've, you've soaked my journey into yourself. And so... You, I think I think it's not an illusion. You you those people do do know me, and that I mean that can be a curse, but f- for the most part, it's been a blessing. The you know so many so many of the fans think think of me almost like a a member of their family or or a brother or something because there's they've made that journey with me and. A lot of what I've written, and I know this because I'm constantly being told, but you know, I get emails and messages. And a lot of what I've written has kind of resonated with people's own life journey, and they've they've grown up as I've grown up, and they've they've related to very similar thoughts and feelings that that I've had at a certain point in my life as I've as I've got old because I'm not a young man anymore. So I'm writing about different things. And I think people have grown up with me, and 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 what I'm saying now resonates with who they are now. Where it, it probably wouldn't have resonated with them when they were younger. Um, so that I, I I do kind of feel like this kind of you know I wrote the Invisible Man, which is all about being there, but but not being there, you know, and and. I think I am that that creature for a lot of people. You know, I'm 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 in the room, but I'm not there. You know, um, and they may never meet me. Um, but having said that, you know, if I mean anybody who wants to meet me probably can. Mm-hmm. I, I I'm not, you know, I'm not in the limo with the fifty foot electric gates and leave me alone no pictures please i'm not that kind of person anyway i'm i'm pretty approachable well you i noticed you uh you went out and said hello to the the people queuing at the hammersmith show uh, I, I saw did. a lot I, of those photos <laughs> i wouldn't do that normally but you know every now and again you just think do you know what i've got a minute you know i'm not i'm not stressed out to the max as sometimes i am i'm not pissed off about something i'm not hurt mm. i'm not completely exhausted i'm just all right at the moment i know what i'm gonna do i'm gonna go out the front and talk to the people because uh, they've been stood around all day in the cold weather and uh, it might it might give them a buzz if i just show up and say hi so I did. Uh, I mean, I can't always do it. I don't feel like it's something I, I have to do, mm. but I felt like doing it. So I'm yeah. going to go and have a chat with the punters, you know, and get in the mood I for the s- gig. 
And you've been you've been delivering or hand delivering some people's uh, birthday cards as well for Corona <laughs> dies, haven't you? Because I mean, I, I, I've only had mine through the post, but you know that's fine. Uh, <laughs> well, it's because you don't live close yeah, enough to me. But the people who people who live, you know, a five minute drive away, I sometimes think, you know what, I'm going to go around and knock <laughs> on their door just for the crack, you know. I mean, they're subscribing to this thing. They're giving me a fiver a, a month of their hard-earned money, you know. What the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they obviously think it's worth it. Well, I obviously think it's worth it because I'm, you know, I'm purple, same as the rest of them. Yeah, It's good to be purple. It is good to be purple, yeah. Uh, um, so believe it or not, you and I, I interviewed you once before back in 1998. Um, wow yeah it was for the release of Radiation um, and I was basically the the Office Marillion fan and so they yeah I wasn't a journalist by any stretch of the imagination but they said you can you know we've got Steve Hogarth do you want to interview him so I had to pretend to be a journalist here because I couldn't kind of go on there and kind of go you know which office are you talking about I work for Teletext believe it or not Channel 4 Teletext oh right you always got a good review on there Um, yeah we did that (laughs) was you that was me well thanks very much yeah I booked a lot of very shit holidays on Teletext I bet you did yeah (laughs) you and half the country howlers Uh, (laughs) yeah I didn't work in that department Uh, (laughs) that wasn't me Uh, but yeah so I think you, at the time, you kind of just thought you're, you know, I'm speaking to a journalist, a music journalist, which I wasn't. Um, and the sense I got from well, you... none of them are, to be honest. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah. <laughs> but the sense I got from you then was there was a lot of... You would, I wouldn't say defensive, but there was a, a degree of sort of frustration about, you know, you had a new album coming out. How is this going to be received? How is this guy going to treat me? I mean, what was going on for you back then when you talked to the press and the media oh i was just a very different person back then i think and i i was young i was a bit more up myself i suppose maybe um and i think that a lot of the people you spoke to they were kind of up themselves as well it was it was a much more up yourself kind of period of of, you know the the media was quite up itself um i mean i'm trying to just cast my mind back to radiation because around about radiation was uh we were we were then signed to rod smallwood who manages iron maiden uh to, to sanctuary for a couple of years and that never really worked out it was a bit of a strange period of 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 our development um, and we'd made, you know, Radiation was a, a fairly rough and ready album. We'd, we'd decided we wanted to get away from the the kind of production gloss and make something that was had a bit of energy about it mm. and take the band back to the kids, man. Mm. And we we booked a university tour and everything and went and... And went and sl- slummed it around the, around the students' union bars and whatnot. <laughs> As an experiment, really, just to see what would happen. Of course, with any of these experiments, especially in in in, mu- in the music business, you're never any the wiser because no. you don't know if anything happened. Something yeah. might have happened, and you uh, you know, I mean, all right, you don't gain any more fans, but you kind of think, well, 
Maybe if we hadn't done it, we'd have lost some. Yeah. <laughs> so you never know. There's never anything. To, it's not like, a, you know, doing an experiment in a lab. Uh, the music business is utterly random, makes no sense, and I'm none the wiser after 40 years. Yeah, it's not like you can, you don't get a graph printed out at the end of it that sort of says this is the number of fans that you've got. No, of, and even, even, if you, even if you did, you know, you'd, you'd go, well, but what does it mean? Um, what ha- what really happened, and you know, it's 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 very hard to to learn anything in the music business. You mm. know, any other business, if you if you've been doing it for thirty years, you'd probably know by then <laughs> what you were doing and how it worked. But in the music business, you you're none the wiser at any point. In well, I don't feel like I've got more of a clue than the very first day. I, you know, I, I played a piano or, or did a pub gig. It's all as much, every bit as much of a mystery as it was in the beginning or feels that way in my head. Plus the rules keep changing, don't they? I mean, you know, you had, you know, downloads became a thing and then py- the, the big piracy boom that happened. And mm-hmm. so, you know, it's not even like it's the same industry that you started in. No. And, and also, I think... Marillion are like if the music business is a planet then then we're just a satellite that orbits it we're not even on that planet you know we can barely see it through binoculars uh, we do our own thing you know we just go around and once in a blue moon we get invited to an awards do or something and then find ourselves sitting at tables with other other people from from uh, you know other pop stars or rock stars and it always feels incredibly alien i get terrible imposter sy- syndrome and think what the fuck am i doing here you know i'm sitting at a table with alice cooper he's a proper rock star you know what the, you know i wonder what he think who he think who the hell he thinks i am um so we we're removed from it all and we mm. orbit we orbit it at a distance and we do our own thing um we don't give a toss about most of the things that most um professional musicians care passionately about i.e getting some airplay having a hit getting on tv we've kind of given up on all of that years ago and we don't we don't really need it no. because we seem to do perfectly well without it. So we, which is great, you know, it's an enviable position to be in because it means you can be more pure. You mm. you can just you can do what you do because that's what you want to say, yeah. and not think about what the world or the marketplace or even the fans want from you. Um, I think we've. We've done our best over the years to shake the fans off by, <laughs> you know, by evolving and move, you know, trying different things and moving into different areas and taking on different influences. Um, and then the the ones who, who we haven't shaken off, I don't think they can be shaken off. <laughs> no, that's it. You know, for better or worse, we're now. <laughs> unless we sell out, you know, and, yeah. and we've no reason to. Yeah. So was that a kind of gradual thing or was it you know when you the, the crowdfunding thing started that you kind of yeah was or was it you know was it a sudden turning point that you kind of stopped chasing those hits i suppose or commercial success in the mainstream for want of a better word it was but also there was um 
you know, when I met the band, there was a discomfort in the band, um, you know, in the certainly in the Rothery, Kelly, Mosley area, um, about anything that wasn't pure, um, in the sense that, you know, anything that you were doing because it felt like a commercial move, you'd see that kind of look of slight disdain <laughs> come across their faces. <laughs> that, oh, oh, I don't know about, you know, this This isn't me just doing what I do anymore. This is me, you know, being pushed into a place um, that I wouldn't naturally go. And But I think people need that. I think you can stagnate if you're, you know, if you're just in your comfort zone as an artist for your whole life, unless your comfort zone is um, a reckless kind of place. Some people, that's what their comfort zone is. But then other people have a comfort zone, which is just this place that they naturally keep returning to. Mm. Um and they'll never change, you know. They'll never, they'll, 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 they'll never break out of their own, own mould if they stay too in that groove. So it's good to be shoved out of being comfortable. It's never mm. pleasant. I mean, I don't like being shoved out of where I'm comfortable either. Um, but I think it's a good... I think it's good. I mean, Bowie famously said, what you need to do is walk out into the sea until your feet just don't quite touch. Mm. You know, just that place where you're nearly oh, out of your depth. Love that quote. Yeah. That's where you want to be. Yeah. That's where the good stuff happens, you know. Mm. And I think, I, I do think that's true. So, but having said that, the uh, to answer your question, I, I, I think this feeling of of really not giving a fuck about the commercial aspects of any of it that 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 is gradual mm. you know it has been gradual and uh, and as you say the, the 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 freedom that we gained once we realized we could crowdfund projects yeah. um not just the freedom but the confidence that 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 people believed in us enough to pay for something they hadn't even heard is incredible, really. Yeah. I mean, it's just such a leap of faith and, and a leap of, of trust. Um, so it's that combination of of, of of trusting in us to come up with the goods and then also trusting us with the money, not to go to Rio with it and, you know, hire a load of hookers or whatever. <laughs> Whatever rock stars do when they're given lots of money. Have a good weekend. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, and that's incredibly touching. And the first time we we mounted that crowdfund thing, and it happened. That, that I think that changed all of us. That that made us all, you know, quietly individually sit down and think about what we got. 
and you know we re- we we realized we 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 we'd stumbled onto or maybe we'd earned it but what it, however it had arrived we'd got it and it was it was a jewel you know it was a diamond um and we were extremely fortunate to have it and we remain so really mm. so going back quite a way I wanted to ask, because I don't think I've ever heard you say, what was your perception of Marillion before you joined? Did you have any? Um, not really. It wasn't really my cup of tea, to be honest. <laughs> um, I thought I thought it sounded a bit, a bit like, um, I mean, put it this way, you could really hear the early Genesis um, influences. Mm. Now I'd been when I was a kid I'd been a big fan of mm. um, of those prog bands of Genesis and Yes and, and Focus and Jess Rotel and I'd seen them all live on all the tours I'd seen I saw Genesis on the Fox Trot tour the Selling England by the Pound tour yeah. I'd seen them all mm. um, I was a massive fan and I was always I was always at the gigs same with all of the, the Yes stuff and the Focus stuff but then I'd you know, time had passed, um, the years had passed. I'd got, you know, I'd gone to college and started listening to the Isley Brothers and discovered Joni Mitchell, um, just discovered other singer-songwriters. Then the 80s happened and I, I got into the Blue Nile mm. and um, Prefab Sprouts, Gritty Politti. I was listening to all of that. So I'd I'd arrived in sort of that place in my head, yeah. and at the same time as I was in that place, you know, in the clash and the police, um, the talk talk, and that's where I was at, and that was my idea of seriously good good shit. Yeah. Um, and then and then there was this band that sounded like it was desperately trying to be where Genesis were at when, when Peter Gabriel was still painting his face in the yeah. old days. And it just seemed a little bit derivative to me. Mm. Um, I've got to be so careful. You might have to edit some of the time. <laughs> yeah, let us know if you need I, me to take I, anything I, out. Well, I don't want you... I don't want to... I mean, I'm happy to say things that will mm. upset people, but I'd rather <laughs> I'd rather those people didn't hear them. So, you know, I'm considerate of other people's feelings but but if you ask me a question i'm going to honestly reply to yeah. it and that that was it really it all felt a little bit derivative of early genesis to me yeah which i'd been a big fan of but i didn't want to hear it again second yeah. hand in 1980 yeah um and i couldn't quite understand why this you know this scottish guy was singing with a public school english accent <laughs> yeah, yeah. you know and yeah. then talking and broad scottish yeah uh, when he'd finished that seemed kind of weird you yeah. know in in the theatrical sense but you know if you say well it's theater suck it up that's fair enough but it's not really what i'm about so when i first got the call you know about the possibility of meeting up with the band I thought, well, what on earth are they going to want from me? You know, what, what, what use could I be to this lot? Because um, I certainly can't do what they're doing. Yeah. Um, and and so I I I wasn't going to go. And then my mate Daryl 
who'd been in a band with Mosley, um, you know, he just happened to, I just happened to mention it, that they'd been on the phone, or their management had been on the phone, and he said, oh, you don't want to dismiss that out of hand. You should go and meet them, because they're, they're really nice people. So that was why I went. Yeah. It wasn't because I'd I'd laid awake at night having wet dreams about being the singer in Marillion, <laughs> you know, ever. I still yeah. don't, and I am. <laughs> Do you still have those moments, though, where you kind of go, how the hell did this happen? That I All mean, the time, yeah. every day. <laughs> um, yeah, of course, yeah. of course. It's funny how... Um, you know, you can work your balls off for years and years and years um, and and seemingly get nowhere. And then one day something just falls from the sky into your lap, you know, like a, a gift from heaven Yeah. Um, that you haven't worked for and that you don't deserve. <laughs> and all the things you've worked for you haven't got. And then this thing has gone boom, you know, and you've been presented with this, um, you know, I don't know, just just heaven sent um, opportunity mm. to to do what you always wanted to do in the first place, which was to be yourself and mm. and and express yourself, and that's that's what I've been very fortunate to be able to do in this band. And if if that hadn't been on the cards, I wouldn't have joined. Yeah. You know, I, I said, well, what is it you're looking for then, lads? And they said, well, we, we've heard what you do and we like it. We just, we just want you to do it. Mm. Uh, and we'll do what we do and we'll see what happens. Yeah. So that was it. If they'd, if they'd said, oh, it, here's our last album, you know, Clutching at Straws, and it's, you know, here's the first song or whatever, and it sold this many hundreds of thousands of copies, do you think that's something you could do? It would have been a really short meeting. Yeah. You know, and I'd just say, well, no, not really. Hmm. <laughs> um, but good luck, good luck with the search, you know, and that would have been the end of it. So you said it was something that you, you know, or at least felt back then you didn't deserve or hadn't earned. Was that something that took a while to shift that once you were in the band, did you feel I'm here now, I belong here? Or did it take a while to kind of bed in and kind of feel that this is as much my band as, as, as it is these other four guys? I reckon that's the only... <sighs> That's a really hard question to answer because I don't know to what extent I've fooled myself over the years mm. um, and in which direction I've fooled myself. But I think I felt like... I think maybe I still do feel a little... feel like an outsider. Really? Even after 33 years, I feel like an outsider somehow mm. and i think that's my shit i think that's in my head um i don't know I, th I think that it's almost like i need constantly reassuring mm. in that sense that i'm what it's about now mm. you know be, and i obviously am yeah but i can't <laughs> quite um can't quite come to terms with it weirdly mm. and that 
I mean, for the first 20 years, I couldn't begin to come to terms with it. Yeah. Which is a mad amount of time yeah, to yeah. be making records and making, writing songs and feeling somehow removed from it. Mm. Um, but I'm sure it's something to do with my... You know, it's a it's a neurosis or a psychosis. It's not real. It's certainly nothing that the band made me feel. No. But I would, um, I would quite. Oh, I think I think for years I kind of held myself back away from it all somehow. Um, or maybe I didn't. Maybe you know. I, it's it's a really it, it's it's a really difficult mm. question to get my head around that because I don't know how much of all that was real, how much of it was in my head, mm. how much of it is still in my head, and whether the rest mm. of the boys feel like that. I don't. Mm. I don't know. I've never got the feeling that Ian feels like the new drummer. Yeah. I've never yeah. got that feeling <laughs> of him. Or you know, although he is. Yeah. Um, he's always seemed part of the bricks and mortar of it more than I have felt somehow. Mm. You know, I've always felt like something that was later screwed on and could be unscrewed again. <laughs> Even after 33 <laughs> Rather than years. fundamental to the, the, uh, yeah. the structure. I mean, from the outside, I mean, I... I, you know, and I'm certainly not alone in this. I don't think Marillion would still be here had you not joined. You know, there's no way. I mean, that's my point of view, or at least what you've given the band. It, you know, your identity is so stamped on it now um, that I can't separate you from what Marillion is. No, but I don't think you could. You'd struggle to separate any of them, really, wouldn't you? Yeah, from yeah, it. It's true. You know, we yeah. are. We are like John, Paul, George, and Ringo, aren't we? We're, we're lover, lovers or haters. We're we're indispensable. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. Well, let's move on. I just wanted to talk about lyrics, really, because I my day job I'm a writer, so I'm sort of fascinated okay. just by how your how you write. What's your process for sitting down and writing words? Yeah. I, again, I. I I'm not sure that I've got one, and if I have one, I'd almost never like like not to find out what it is in case it ruins everything. <laughs> yeah. um, I don't write nearly as much or as often as as I wish I did. Mm. I don't. I very rarely write anything. Um, whenever you know, every two or three years, when we come to what it it becomes time to start writing a new piece of work um i'm traumatized by it i mean I, I do go into a complete spin at the thought of having to come up with anything else at all because i feel i just can't do it um and the only thing that stops me throwing myself off the roof is the knowledge that i felt like that on all of the others and, <laughs> and, and something happened yeah so that's the only uh comfort um, it's the only thing that keeps me off the roof, on on the roof, and not off the roof. Yeah. Um, keep keeps me this side of the glass. Um, what? But but strangely, whenever we do come to to start looking, um, 
start the jamming process because we always write by jamming the band mm. the band jam in the room and i sit there and listen and and look for for what i could hang on it and whenever that process begins i always seem to have more stuff than i thought i would have so i do write things down from time to time but i'm not conscious of when it happens um i certainly don't have a work ethic Right. Um, but just once in a blue moon, I'll have a little, you know, at any time of night or day, I'll just have a little splurge mm. of something and I'll think, oh, I better write this down and I'll, I'll scribble it down and then I'll forget I've even done it. Is that on, do you and do that on I'll a laptop or you got a notebook or is it just whatever's to Usually the, these days, these days on the laptop. But I mean, obviously yeah. if I'm, if I'm driving or if I'm out and about, I might just scribble it down in the phone mm. uh, because it's there. Yeah. And then have a look later and, and then maybe develop it a little bit. But I'm I'm already worrying about about the next record and the fact mm. that I don't think I've got anything. Right. But I'll probably have a fair amount left over from last time that we, we didn't get. We didn't fully get to grips with. There were there were two or three interesting things that we didn't develop at all, mm. um, because of course the um, the band tend to land on the things that they find really musically interesting, mm. and so sometimes they're not the best lyrics. You no. know, they get excited about that because it hangs together better as a whole. And there might be a much better lyric that isn't really hanging together very well musically, and that ends up in the bin. Mm. Um, so I do have left... I've always had leftovers. Mm. and uh, I mean, it's not out of the question either next time. I mean, I'll see how I feel, but um, we did... When we played Brighton a couple of weeks ago, John Helmer came over because he lives in Brighton. Oh, right. And yeah, yeah. we were having a... We were having a drink afterwards, and he was saying, "Well, you know, do you, would you still be interested if I sent anything?" I said, "Yeah, sure, man. You know, send if if you have a moment, you know, and you write some because wow. he's a really he's a talented guy. Right? He's 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 a brilliant. Um, he's got a brilliant mind, and so I got the feet. He said, "Well, actually, I wrote something just tonight, watching you guys playing." I said, "Well." You know, he, he wrote it, it while he was watching you. He said he did, yeah. <laughs> okay. He had a moment. Um, so I said, well, you know, get it over to me because I can't promise I'll use it, but uh, I certainly can't use it if I haven't got it. Yeah. So send it to me. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised if John sends us a few things before yeah. the next album. And, you know, it might well be that even after all this time, one of his lyrics shows up on them. Like on a future work, you know? yeah. Well, I suppose it was only what well, sounds like Carby Mabe was the last one that had anything of his, wasn't it? I think, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, hang on a bit, Love Like Rain, and the song became Poor My Love. Uh, and I'd had that li lyric in my laptop for well, since laptops existed, it's mm. been around for 20 years and it had never been used. and it it just happened to be perfect for something we were working on that day in the studio. Yeah. 
So um, no, it's 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 uh, it's always it's always lovely to have something from John. Um, it also cheers me up because it takes some of the pressure off me enough to to come up with everything to make the grand statement. I always feel like I've run out of anything I want to say, but I I, I usually haven't. Yeah. I mean, in the last... That's the only way I can explain it. I haven't got a process. I can't, you know, I can't say, oh, yes, I get up every morning and I do two hours with it, you know, whether or not I'm inspired and, you know, I do a bit and, you know, and bit by bit I find I've got something. I don't, I'm hopeless. No, it's reassuring because I'm the same. It happens when it happens. You know, it's, mm. it's and I know most people I know who write for a living or have to say the same thing, that they don't, you know, I don't, it's alien to me somebody does that getting up in the morning and just, you know, you know, I am going to write I this many words. Certain novelists can do that, aren't they? Mm. But I, I, I don't, I'm not in that world really. Yeah. So. I don't know what world I'm in. <laughs> uh, so you, you recently announced you're going to cut down the Meridian weekends or most of them to two nights. Um, yeah. And as much as I love those longer weekends, I mean, even I was finding hard going um as in i'm in the audience how genuinely you only had to listen to it yeah uh, just it's just purely like the standing um but we did i did two nights on the recent tour i did um aylesbury and london uh and i just i don't know how do you do it how do you get up there and do kind of even two nights on the trot and not kind of just need hospital treatment afterwards i suppose it's not easy. I mean, it is hard work and um, made worse by the fact that in between tours, I don't keep in shape. I'm not out on a bike riding or down the gym pumping weights or, <laughs> you know, or running 10K. Hey, I did 10K. <laughs> One of the things that really pisses me off in social situations is when people are talking about how many K they just did that day. Oh, yeah, I did 15K, and I just thought, I've got But no, I don't, I don't do any of those Ks. No, um, And so when we do go out on the road, it really is like being hit by a train after the, right. after the first show, I feel like I've been murdered. And I slowly get fit just by doing it. Right. Um, you know, it, but it is a, a crash course in 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 every sense in 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 getting in shape. I get in shape by doing it, and um, when I mean, what's great about being on a bus when you're on a sleeper bus is that if you do feel like you've been murdered and you're gonna die, you can just keep going back to bed. Right. And so when when we're touring. If I'm not on stage, I'm usually in bed. Yeah. You know, and if I'm in bed, I'm usually asleep. Um, <laughs> and that's that's how I do it. And I've, it's been like that for years. I've been been either on stage or I've been in bed. Yeah. That's how I do it. I mean, and, and we're lucky, much luckier than the audience because the audience doesn't have that option. They have to stand there for hours and hours, you know, and... and Everything that goes with going to a show, you've got to queue up, and then you know you 
you're kind of there, aren't you? The, the, mm. You can't go, oh, do you know what? I just need half an hour. I'll go and have a lie down. You can't. <laughs> well, we can. <laughs> so, That's the trick. Got, I, know, I need to come to, have... to the next one in a, in a bus, an RV we or something. It. Yeah, that, that's what makes it possible. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. Uh, so it's, it's actually someone um, said earlier on Facebook, it's five years tonight since you played the Royal Albert Hall the first time. I know. I just got a text tonight from my mate in Mexico, and he actually sent a photograph of me uh, and his wife, and he said, "What a night that was five years ago." And I and I wrote back and went, "Where were we?" And then yeah. he, and he wrote back and said, "Rah." And I'm like, "Shit, was that that long ago?" I know, scary. Was that five years, my god. Yeah, it's scary. Uh, I thought it was three or f maybe four at a stretch, but five, my god. Um, that was a great night. It was. That yeah. really was a great night. Um, if, if we have any more nights quite like that, I'll, I'll, I'll die happy. <laughs> so do you think there are many more? I mean, it's a difficult question, this, but how much, well, here's the short version, is how much more life do you think there is left in the band? How long can you predict? How long you kind of plan to go on for? Or, I mean, is that... Oh, masses. I, I get the feeling there's masses. W yeah. Whether there's another... Two, three, five, one albums in us. I don't know, mm. but there's masses of life. Yeah. I mean, I I think if we didn't make another record, we could tour for another ten years yeah. and 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 happily tour. Mm. We could tour all about catalogue for another ten years, really. There's so much of it. Yeah. Um, without ever really repeating ourselves. So, not that we intend to. I mean, there is an impetus sort of in the band to want to constantly make new work to mm. create new work um but if we ever get got to the point where one of us just didn't want to or felt they couldn't that wouldn't mean the end of us there's there's uh, plenty of life in the old dog um live you know and yeah. I'm, I'm, we're all five of us are really enjoying playing live at the moment we've really enjoyed the uk tour and i'm already looking forward to getting to europe mm. having lewis along has, has given the thing a new little twist you know ju just as having the girls along on the uh with friends tour gave that a twist you know it it, it, it we we all saw saw everything through a different lens mm. and so it felt fresh again um and having lewis out with us has done that again it's 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 changed what it can be um and the the experience of being on stage has just changed slightly mm. you know and and felt and feels renewed you know yeah. for having that even though lewis is older than we all are we feel like we've got new blood on the stage yeah. and he's he's reciprocated um, I mean, the messages he's sent us have been incredible. He's just said, they were the best two weeks of my life. Oh, bless him. And he's done every. I mean, yeah, yeah. have a look at his CV. It's shocking. You yeah. name him, you know, from Nina Simone to James Brown to the Rolling Stones to fucking Duran Duran to David Bowie. I mean, and 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 everything Trevor yeah. Horn ever recorded, um, Annie Lennox, Seal, Frankie goes to Hollywood, blah blah. He's he's done everything, 
And then he sends us an, a, a message and say, that is without doubt the best two weeks of my life. So that's really humbling, and and I'm very very proud to be anywhere near a message like that. Yeah, did he he played on your solo album? Didn't he? Is that right? Am I he did. Right? He, yeah. he played on Ice Cream Genius. Yeah. Um, way back in the way back. Yeah, he came came down to a record club and shook shakers and tambourines, and I remember standing in the control room, and he'd say, "Do you want it? Do you want this on the front or the back of the beat?" And I'd say, what do you mean? <laughs> you know, and he'd be going, shh, 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 and I'd go, right. He says, that's on the front. I go, okay. And then he'd go, and that's on the back. And nothing would change except yeah. the feeling. And it'd just go, whoa. And you think, oh, that's a dark art, man. Yeah. That is a dark art because <laughs> I couldn't tell you what changed. Only the feeling changed. Yeah. Um, so I realized he was a complete ninja at that point. And I've always wanted to to work with them again. And I shake all the tambourines um, normally when we make the records and, and live as well. Um, but I knew that I knew that there's this other thing that I can't do that you know maybe half a dozen people in the world have got. And um, and so I think I went. I went and did a show at uh, in Acton actually, the Music Bank with uh, with Trevor Horn, and Lewis was playing a bit of percussion, so we were back together, you know. And we were yeah. talking about Ice Cream Genius, and we were talking about old times, and we were just shooting the breeze. And so I said, you know, we, when when we get back into the studio to make our next album, do you, do you fancy coming over and doing some stuff? And he went, Yeah, sure. Brilliant. He said, I'm a big fan, and I didn't believe him. Um, but he says he's got all the albums. That's nuts. I mean, go go figure, go yeah. figure. He says he's a big fan. Um, wow. Which, you know, I would have lost the house on that. Yeah. You know, as a bet. Um, so he's just like a a pig in shit out yeah. on the road with us. He he loves the music. He loves the the atmosphere. He loves the vibe on the bus and. Mm. He's uh, it's been great. So we're we're all loving being out. Mm. He's doing Europe as well, is he with you? Is For he sure? Yeah, nice, nice. I said to him, you know, are you all right to do this? You know, to live and sleep on a bus. You, you know, you're not a young man. I think he's seventy six. I think now. Jeez. And he just wrote back and he said, "What a way to go." <laughs> <laughs> there you are. Brilliant. He's a legend. Yeah. Do you have any idea yet what you're doing for next year's Meridian weekends? Uh, we've a rough idea, but yeah. we are gonna we are gonna sit down cross legged and, um, and and nail it all down during the um, during during this next next leg of the tour. Actually, mm. I mean the new the new album's gonna gonna be a you know that's gonna be a night. There's gonna mm. be a new album night um, and plus other stuff. Um, There's one album left that you've not done. Uh, which one is somewhere, it? Somewhere else somewhere you've else. not done. Mm. Well, uh, we've done most of it. We, we had this conversation as well. Um, the only the only tracks from somewhere else we've never done, I think, threw, threw me out and she's older than me. I don't, I don't know if we've ever performed those. But I think all the others we've done, you know, yeah. we've done no such thing and, um 
half the world and things that you know things that kind of felt obscure when we did them yeah um but we haven't done all of it quite right so i don't know whether we'll dig into that or not mm. well fingers crossed because i'm a somewhere else fan so <laughs> it's a good album it is a good album yeah well that's it uh thank you for finally coming on our world's second best meridian podcast uh as we always call it um really appreciate it because i know you know um you're between two legs and stuff so uh and just thank you for all the the lyrics and the music over the years you know you've been a constant even though you haven't got a clue who i was um you know it's meant a lot um having you there in the background (laughs) so thank you man it's been a pleasure so that was a good interview wasn't it satya i haven't listened to it yet (laughs) everyone else you've all heard it before i have lucky you (laughs) <laughs> oh, you're so genuinely <laughs> aggrieved. Wow. <laughs> you could have had time to listen to it this morning. It hasn't been edited yet. I could have given you the raw Oh, really? Audio. Would you have done that? I'd do anything for you, do Oh, <laughs> stand on your head. Beg your pardon? Stand on your head. I thought you were threatening to stand on my head. No. Anyway, yes, what a lovely interview. Sorry, I, I, I'm very proud of it. Yeah, I know Aww. pride comes before fall, but there it is. I'm proud of that interview. Oh. Yeah. So on with the hundredth anniversary celebrations. Yeah. We asked asked you to <laughs> send us your emails with your memories of Beampod and your favourite moments over the last hundred episodes. And wow, we got three four. emails. Four emails. Four we got emails. Four emails. <laughs> so we know at least four people listen to us. Woohoo. Woohoo. Four, four, are you bastards? The lot of you. Thanks a lot. But, I mean, way way to they, make us feel wanted. What would they have to say? It's a really vague topic. Just write to us about our 100th episode. Thanks. P- thanks for all the congratulations stuff. on 100 episodes. I'd have been happy with that. Oh, okay. You know, it's like, oh, it's someone's birthday. Could you send them some birthday wishes? Well, that's a bit of a vague topic. I wouldn't know what to say. I really wouldn't know what to say. What do I say in a birthday card? It's too, va- too broad a well, topic. You, actually, not that far from the truth. You know how I feel about writing cards. Yeah, best wishes. Yeah. Valentine's card to your husband. <laughs> best wishes. Nice to meet you. <laughs> just thanks. <laughs> nice knowing like, you. Like, you didn't even write out the full word face. You just wrote THX. That's so not true. <laughs> that is so not true. Oh, loving. I didn't... Okay, now people are going to believe that I just wrote thanks in a Valentine's well, it's fine card. after what all you said about me earlier with the whole, you know, that I can't take... take Jokes. Jokes. That's so... Take such, banter. That's such bollocks. It's because you... It's <laughs> such bollocks. You know it's true. It's not. Stop doubling <laughs> down on it. doing it again. Wow. That's it. You're fired <laughs> off the podcast. I'm getting H on here. We're going to call it the COVID Diaries. Fine, I'll, I'll, I'll join Aunt Short. Yeah, you can go and form your own, own breakaway <laughs> podcast with Aunt Short and I'll have H as my new co-host. Yeah. Let's see if he can take jokes. Well, no, it's not about him or me taking jokes. It's about you taking jokes. Can we move on? Yeah. You don't like this topic. I no, tell. I don't. I'm really <laughs> uncomfortable really with annoyed. it because I don't know if you're joking or not. I'm always joking. <sighs> Should we read the letters? Let's do it. <laughs> of four letters. Yeah. Uh, I'll read the first one. This is from Bill Duncan, who we have, uh, those of you who are new to the podcast, we give all our letter writers a nickname, usually quite an unflattering one. 
Bill Duncan has become known as Twicky. If you want to know why, go back and listen to some of our earlier episodes. They're timeless classics. I don't remember why. <laughs> oh, God, are you going to make me explain it every time we get a letter from him? Yes, please. Bill Duncan, he goes... He's, you know, initials BD. Twicky from Buck Rogers in the 21st century he used to go BD, 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 BD. Oh, that's right. Bill Duncan says, 100 episodes? As difficult as the pandemic was for us all, we have it to thank for many things as well. I'm not sure if we would have had 100 episodes of Between You and Me, or the Corona Diaries for that matter, if it hadn't been for a forced period cooped up in our homes and hovels. There are some silver linings after all. Congratulations to you both. I've enjoyed your meander through the albums and the opportunity to rediscover and occasionally reassess the output of one of my favourite bands. Your humour and good-natured ribbing has been a balm for so many. And I'm grateful that you chose to take so much of your time to share your thoughts and conversations with us all. Here's to the next hundred. Bill Twicky Duncan. Thank you, Bill. Yes, of course, we, like so many other middle-aged white people, started a podcast during the... uh, Pandemic. Pandemic. <laughs> um, Why not? It's good fun. We did say we wanted to do one, but We'd it took us th- a while yeah. to... Yeah, we've been trying to think of what to do for a long time. Yeah. And we couldn't really think of a topic that we wanted to talk about every week. Yeah, and then it just came to me. It wasn't any in any shape or form us sort of surfing the coattails of Corona Diaries, which, you know, started a couple of months before we did. Mm. And also there'd been, Fish had done his um, Friday, whatever it's called. Fish on Fridays? Yeah. <laughs> his global broadcasts. <laughs> yes, Fish on Fridays, that's what it was called. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, whether that went in subconsciously, I don't know. But I think given that we'd already been looking for an idea for a podcast, it's inevitable because... That we, yeah, that we came upon the idea of doing a Meridian one because we talked about it so much already, and there wasn't another one. There'd been one that had lasted a few episodes called This Strange Podcast, which was my original name for hours. That's how I found out there'd been another one. Oh, right. That was the one interviewing fans, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Which is a great idea. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So it didn't last very long. Only a few episodes that are up on, um, Apple Podcasts. Yeah, so I had to change. You know, I already had registered the name of this strange podcast before um, before I found that out. So then I had to change it. And then I had to spend a bit of time thinking, what am I going to call it? What am I going to call it? I, I, I think Clockwork and Quartz was another one, but that does actually sound a bit like um, Sapphire and Steel, like a kind of detective show of some sort. Yeah, that's us. Are you Clockwork or Quartz? I think I'm more Clockwork. Although I am on time for interviews. Yeah, you're more quartz. Am I? You're more time conscious. I'm time conscious, but in other ways, I'm also like a busted watch. (laughs) (laughs) Aren't we both, though? Aren't we both? Uh, Yeah, and then between you and me, it was like just obvious. Yeah, as soon as you said it, it was like, yeah, that one. But, you know, I'm very glad we did settle on it. Yes. Um, And now there are two Meridian podcasts in the world. Two. And we're the second best. Do you want to read the next one? I do. Our next one is from Daniel Hamble Hamby. And Daniel says, hi, Paul and Tanya, and special guests. Well, they're not here in the studio with us, sadly. Daniel, a.k.a. Hamble here. 
Hannibal is the best doll from Play School. No, it's the scariest doll. No, the best doll. It's the best toy on Play School. How can you say Hannibal was the best doll on Play School? Well, the only doll, but the best toy on Play School. Hang on, Jemima was a doll. Oh, yeah, Jemima was a doll. Okay, the best Hamble was doll terrifying. and toy. Hannibal's the best. No, Hannibal just looks evil. You can't say that Hannibal was the best doll it on was. Play School. Yeah, she, had, she looked like she was possessed. I know. She was fantastic. Anyway, Daniel says, I thought I'd honour your 100th episode by sending in an email from across the pond. I discovered Biampod because I love listening to podcasts and was trying to find a Marillion one. Shortly after Be Hard On Yourself came out in November last year. Congratulations on 100 eps. You deserve it. Yeah, we do. And now... (laughs) We deserve all the blood, sweat and tears we've put into it. And now on to some fun questions. One, if you could go to any Marillion convention in any location, which would you go to and why? Port Zealand. Port Zealand. It's the the crown jewel of the Marillion What's your second choice then? Well, Montreal, because I'd like to go to Canada. Yeah. Uh, oh, um, oh, yeah, Port Zealand, but I really want to go to Montreal one day. Yeah, same. I just really would like that. Because I'd just Thanks like to see Canada. universe. I'd actually also like to go to Portugal. Uh, yes, because our friends yeah. said it was great. Oh, and Poland. Poland. Oh, no. Everyone... They said, no, they didn't go to Portugal. They said Poland was Mark great. Mark went to Portugal. They? Yeah. Um, but that's mainly because I just really want to go to Lisbon, because everyone says how great it is. Um and Poland, because everyone who's been to a Poland convention bigs it up so massively that I want to know, I don't I want to know what the secret sauce is. If only we hadn't screwed <laughs> up. <laughs> if only we didn't have ADHD yeah, and didn't well. renew our passports in time. Anyway, passport has been renewed for next year. Yes. Uh, number two, would you like to see... A second Epics Night with all the songs since 2009 and the songs they didn't play. My set list would look like this. Number one, Gaza. Number two, The Leavers. Three, Warm Wet Circles, that t- slash that time of the night. Four, Montreal. Five, Sierra Leone. Six, Care. Thanks for reading out the numbers, by the way. You didn't mean... Encore one. Okay, I won't read the numbers. Encore one, El Dorado. Encore two, Be Hard on Yourself. And then Sky Above the Rain and Encore 3, New Kings. That to me sounds like a cracking set, if a bit long. Do you want to give your? Yes. I um, need more time to think of mine. So well, I don't have one because I'm not. <clears throat> I've been actually really loving the more focused set lists of, of this tour that they've just done. And when we saw them last year as well, you know, just slightly shorter. Um I don't know. I mean, I love all those songs. There's not one of those songs I don't love. Mm. But I don't know. It's a, it's that's a big commitment playing all those long songs. I like shorter ones mixed in among them. What to like break it up a bit? Yeah, and you know the odd injection of energy and stuff in there that you know just change of pace. I don't know. I don't know how I feel about doing. Another epics night. Because so you feel for pacing, they need to have shorter songs mixed throughout. I think so personally. Mm. It's hard because uh, you know, particularly the last couple of albums are mostly long songs. <laughs> um, Is Sky Above Your Rain along? Oh, I guess the encore's it's about aren't ten long. minutes, isn't it? Yeah, Be Hard on Yourself and Sky Above the Rain are both, I think, about ten minutes mm. or just under. I mean, I'd definitely, I'd add in Invisible Man. I'd add in my epics. Yeah, but night. he's talking about. 
Oh, ever since. Oh. I... At the moment, I, I, I still just want to hear an hour before it's dark from beginning to end in order live. Well, lucky for you, spoilers. That's all I want to hear weekends. right now. But Epic's Montreal for sure. Mm. Oh, um, yeah. I mean, out of those ones, the ones I'd love to hear again. And are, yeah, Gaza Montreal. and I can't remember the length of sounds that can't be made. I would like to hear out of the ones that that he's got here, um, Montreal, El Dorado, and Sky Above the Rain, because they're three of the the lesser played mm. ones. That's what I'm all about these days. Them them going back and playing stuff that is less played. That's my thing. Then Daniel continues and says, third and final question: In the last week, what are the three Marillion songs you've listened to the most? Mine are Cover My Eyes, Power and Runaway. Hope you're both well and I look forward to the next 100 episodes. Oh, and he said, P.S. I've started writing a diary because of Corona Diaries. Ah, another Corona Diarist. Yes. <laughs> um, what have I listened to most in the last week? I don't think I've listened to any Marillion in the last week. That's bad, isn't it? Yeah. I'll tell you what I have been listening to a lot is um, the new Devin Townsend single, My God. Oh, I still haven't listened to that. So good. Thank you to our listener, Max Dembo, for recommending it. Yeah, you mentioned that and I haven't listened to it yet. I've just had the song somewhere else stuck in my head literally all week. Mm. All week. I mean, the most recent ones, and I couldn't tell you which songs are, I mean, I'm still listening to an hour before it's dark and obviously listened to the new Holidays in Eden quite a bit recently. So, and, oh, Happiness is the Road, because we're about to cover that yeah. on the podcast. So the first disc of that. They're the one. They're the albums that I've been listening to most of late. But I couldn't tell you what three songs in the last week. Yeah, for me, yeah, happiness is the road. Disc one, mm. and although I haven't, I haven't listened to it much this week. I haven't listened to any music this week, really. Do you want me to do the next letter? Please. It is from one of our many Simons, Simon Emily Dickinson. Hi, Paul and Sanya. You were discussing how much I've done to advance the popularity of Marillion since the first episode. Tongue in cheek. We were tongue in cheek. But yes, we have. <laughs> <laughs> well, we just know that there are some people who, who've gone through the albums with us who have either rediscovered them, some people come to them for the first time. How many there are? I don't know. But Simon, stroke Emily, has made a list. 16 album purchases in one form or another, including the latest vinyl box set, four T-shirts, two hats, a car sticker, two books, H's Diaries, a snood and two jigsaws. Congratulations on such a great podcast and on making it to a ton. Here's to the next century. Ah, oh, bless you. Thank you, Emily. Uh, a question. Do you think there are any H lyrics which would work better with Fish Era music and vice versa? Oh, Ooh. I don't want to answer that. I don't want to get into Fish VH. Oh, it's nice it's not Fish VH, but they're just... Two different. What's VH? Versus. Same oh, it stands for oh, verses. It's, oh. it's a contraction of the word verses. <laughs> I thought it was initials VH. Fish VH. Well, yeah, that's like, like VHS. A, a man called Fish v well, Victor H. That's why I was really confused. Ah. Sorry, I can't move forward before you answer me this. What is the Marillion snood? Yes, I'm a bit... What does that look like? I'm, I'm a bit intrigued by the snood. I need to see this snood. <laughs> <laughs> the and snood. two jigsaws. Okay, 
what uh, and a car sticker we don't have that what is your favorite piece of Marillion merch me yes I know what it used to be before it broke oh yeah my, oh, I miss it so my much my season's end fleece really miss that fleece Loved it was the most it. comfortable fleece yeah. In existence, it was huge and as you, well. yeah, you wore that when I first met you, Aww. and it, and it kept me warm Aww. a couple of times. Oh, the night we fell in love, yeah. So Marillion were there. Oh my god, from the literally beginning. every step of the way in our relationship. That's symbolic, isn't it? Wrapping you in my Marillion place. <laughs> oh, <wow. laughs> How about that? But it was a, a really nice kind of teddy bear fur kind. No, well, not maybe not teddy bear fur, but it was a furry fleece. So it was really soft. Stop. Call the fur fleece. <laughs> <laughs> Look at the way she looked at you. That's because she knew it was a good joke. Um, I don't know. HD should work with Fisher and music. I, don't, I just don't want to go there. It's not, it's not what we're about. Okay. My turn to read. Yet another Simon. Statistics have revealed that 90% of Beampod listeners are called Simon. True. So this is Simon Royal Albert Hall. Yes. Slash Mr. Porridge. Oh, yeah. We can't remember why, why we called him Mr. Porridge. Yeah. Simon, why? Oh, he tells us. He tells us. Oh, oh, okay. He tells us. Incidentally, while... Oh, now I remember. All right, here we go. Incidentally, while reading out my last email, you forgot where you came up with Mr. Porridge. <laughs> <laughs> we have again. And he answers, Hall and Oats equals Porridge Oats equals Mr. Porridge. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Porridge then became some odd 1920s music hall character. Where's me washboard? How queer, etc., etc. Oh, where, where's me oats? Oh, I've dropped me oats. <laughs> when I'm picking up me oats, I'm singing in the shower. Oh, Mrs. Worthington, get me some more oats. There's porridge in me shower. It's got eggs in it too. Wow. Okay, so Simon continues, just dropping you a quick note to say congratulations on reaching the 100th episode after having just listened to your 99th episode synopsis of how fucking awful the majority... Yes, she said it, everyone. Everyone, she swore on the podcast. She said it. It's just a word, Paul. Yeah, normally... Normally, (laughs) there was a time on this podcast when you would have skipped over that word. Oh, I am Australian after all. Yeah. We don't shy away from our swear words. Vocabulary like a docker. Yeah, like a sailor. The majority of the popular music in 2008 was very telling how few of the top selling songs were remembered now. I can't imagine that the now, that's what I call music 2008 yearbook will be on many people's Christmas list when they finally get to it. Anyway. I just wanted to say a huge thanks to you both. I discovered Biampod thanks to the web magazine article. Oh, oh new, new web magazine arrived today, by That's the way. That's so cool. Did it? Yeah. Oh. I haven't, I haven't looked at it yet. The web magazine article during that difficult and emotionally weird time during lockdown. At that stage, I was on a bit of a downer with Marillion for reasons mentioned previously, fear and orchestral faffings. And you were pretty much solely responsible for reigniting my love and interest in the band. See, see, <laughs> see everyone. Yay. See Lucy. Lucy, and he <laughs> writes, Lucy. Lucy can take note of this fact. Yeah. An hour before it's dark, resealed that love nicely. I'm someone who has been with Marillion since the Market Square Heroes 12-inch single came out. A mate whose uncle worked at EMI played me a pre-release copy of Grendel and tried to convince me it was unreleased Gabriel-era Genesis and almost succeeded. (laughs) 
Even through the fallow years, this strange engine to dot com, when I strayed somewhat, I've always placed Marillion in my top five artists of all time. So it's nice to feel that I'm gravitating back into their orbit again. Thank you. Of course, your efforts would all be for naught if it weren't for the fact that your obvious love of Marillion, your sense of humour and thorough research all keep Biampod an essential listen. You've had me crying with laughter when I've, I'd been feeling down. I nearly read that as falling down. Ha <laughs> <laughs> ha Bonk! <laughs> what was that saying? Um, that was a man uh, laughing his head off. Sir? <laughs> sir? Sir? <laughs> 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 So your new catchphrase, sir. <laughs> that just came out accidentally. What, what did you say? I didn't ha, hear ha, it. Ha bonk. It's the sound of a man laughing his head off. Ah, as he falls. And after so much time spent in your virtual company, you both now feel like friends to me. No. Don't worry, I won't be turning up on your doorstep for Christmas dinner. But I will, however, carry on patroning, buying T-shirts, buying your Mr. Biffo music and telling anyone who may be interested about you. It's really the least I could do. So 100 episodes down and here's to 100 more. Wishing you all the best and much inspiration for lots more divergent episodes to keep the motor running along as long as possible. Cheers and take care, Simon Hall. Thank you, Simon. That was really lovely. And just to say to all our other listeners, that's the bar. <laughs> <laughs> that's the bar. <laughs> you know, Simon, is he's now our top listener. <laughs> Talking of my album, which I'm not going to bang on about, but um, we made fun of my friend Shogs last week for not having uh, said that he'd listened to it when he said he would. And he just wanted to feedback. He just wanted me to feedback to everyone on the podcast that he has now listened to it and he likes it. Yay. There you go. I mean, he would say that anyway. He's not going to say it's shit, is he? Um, (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, right. This has been a long episode for all of you. It's been a long hundred episodes to get to this point. 100 nights. Yeah. I mean, it's not even been a hundred weeks because we've skipped some weeks. Yeah. So it's been longer. Yeah. Yeah. Um, God knows. Remember that. when we had COVID and we had to skip a few weeks? We did. Yeah. We had the old code. Actually, I got it twice. Don't need to talk about that now. We're wrapping up, aren't we? Yeah. Yeah, aren't we, Sonia? That's what's, this is what this is. Okay. Rather than you reflecting on the number of times you got COVID. It's been a long two years. It's been a bloody long two years. It's been two of the worst years of my life. <laughs> <laughs> Frankly, that's the truth. They've been two of the worst years of my life. But I've loved having Biampod. And I've loved, as as we said earlier, hearing from all of you, knowing you're out there listening to us. Uh, and it's given us a, a focus for two years during some really, really difficult times. Yeah. So, you know, it's lovely to hear from people when they say that they feel like we're friends and that the podcast has helped them because it's really helped us. Yeah, it, it definitely has. We really enjoyed it. And I'm just, I'm chuffed that anyone's stuck with us this far. Yeah, yeah. So thank you to all who have listened. Thank you to everyone who's written in. Thank you to everyone who subscribed or left a review or bought a T-shirt. Special big thank you to our patrons who get bonus episodes, etc., etc. Thank you to Lucy for her patience with us. Thank you to Mark and 
H and John Arneson and Stephen Wicks and who else will be out on the podcast? Ant Short. Ant Short, of course. And uh, another one that who hasn't been released yes, yet. Yes, yes. Mystery. We, we, have, we have another interview next week. Yeah. Yeah. We'll reveal who that is in due course. And you've got another one lined up as well. After. Got a couple lined up. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, once again, thanks, everyone. Uh, it's meant a lot to us having this. Um, and, yeah, we've got no intention of going anywhere. Wish us apps. luck for continuing after we reach the last album. Oh, let's face it, it's going to be 200 by the time we get to yeah, that's true. before it's dark. Right. Uh, talk to you all next week. Bye. Bye. All right, Paul. Thank you, man. I enjoyed that.